Would you guys pray with me? God, we thank you so much that you love us and that you know us. And God, we just pray that, that you would be in this place as we talk about what it means to, to know you, God. God, I pray that these would be your words uh, and not mine because we need you, God. And so may you just bless this time together. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Well, good morning, church. Uh, my name is Tyler, and uh, I am the Director of Student Ministries here at uh, uh, Edinburgh, and I, I'm just really excited to be here. And I just want to say, if this is your first time here, welcome. We're glad that you're here. Uh, and then also, uh, if, we just want to welcome you if you're watching online. Thank you so much for tuning in and, and checking in. Um, and uh, we're wrapping up our series Wrapping up our series called uh, Experiencing the Goodness of God. Experiencing the Goodness of God. And so uh, what we've been talking about here in this series, Experiencing the Goodness of God, we've been talking about how even when we go through life's struggles, even when we go through difficult situations, uh, we believe that God is good. And we believe that we can experience God's goodness throughout those uh, moments. And, and I hope that you guys have, have been able to uh, come and experience uh, God's goodness through this series. I also want to encourage you, uh, if you're sitting here and you're going, uh, what, what is kind of going on in this church? What are the, the things that are going on in this church? Or if you like, get done with this message and you're like, I, that youth guy, he doesn't know what he's, he, he's whatever. I want the, the, the lead guy. I encourage you to come back next week because Brent is going to be here. Uh, Brent is going to be here and he's going to be talking about uh, the, the state of our church. He's going to talk about and share and cast some vision about where, where we're going as a church, where we believe God is calling us to, whether it's, uh, it's to lead people into a growing, growing relationship with Christ. And so I encourage you, please be back here next week uh, because God is going to just uh, uh, hopefully just solidify the vision uh, of, of our church and where we're going in that direction. So uh, come back next week. We encourage you to do that. Um, and so uh, we're going to dive into, we've been working through 2 Corinthians, uh, the, the book of 2 Corinthians. And the book of 2 Corinthians is really an interesting book. It's, it's a passionate book that, that um, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. And the church in Corinth, what is happening is, uh, and Brent has talked about this a little bit, the, the church in Corinth is actually uh, going through, the, it's kind of a city that's a little bit... Uh, um, risky, if you will. Uh, it's known for lots of sin and lots of things that are going on in the city. And so um, Paul is writing this letter because he's, he's constantly rebuking the church in Corinth. And it's what's happening in Second Corinthians is actually uh, there is a, a group of people that are rising up and they're questioning everything that Paul is saying. They're questioning, they're saying, they're like, oh, is Paul really speaking of God? He's not really that impressive. He's kind of, he's kind of weak in a lot of ways. And Brent has talked about that in the past couple of weeks. That, that he talks about in, in his, Paul is celebrating his weakness, that in my weakness, God is strong. But these people in 2 Corinthians, in the church in Corinth, are actually uh, struggling with Paul because they look at him and they're like, he, he's really an unimpressive guy. He's just kind of like, eh. And so they actually have, in, 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 in uh, uh, 2 Corinthians 12, there's this group of people called, uh, Paul calls them the super apostles. These people, they're charismatic, they're probably good looking, they're really eloquent of speech, and all these things. And, and these people are starting to follow these super apostles, and they're criticizing Paul, and they're saying, Paul, why, you're, you're just not an impressive. Maybe you aren't actually speaking from God because you're kind of a lame guy. As a pastor, sometimes you kind of relate to that. You're like, mm, yeah, I, I feel you, Paul. 
And so we're going to dive into that. I want to read that uh, for you guys because I think, I think sometimes we, we can really relate to, to that idea of, of sometimes looking out. It's easier to look out and examine others. But then this morning, I want to talk about examining ourselves. And so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open to 2 Corinthians 13. We're going to, we're going to be uh, starting out in verse 1. It says this, This will be my third visit to you, Paul writes. Every matter must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. I already gave you a warning when I came to you the second time. Now I repeat it while absent. On my return, I will not spare those who sin earlier, who've sinned earlier or any of the others. Since you have demanded proof that Christ is speaking through me, he is not weak in dealing with you, but is powerful among you. For to, for to be sure, he was crucified in weakness, yet he lives in God's power. Otherwise, we are weak in him, yet by God's power, we will live with him in our dealing with you. Paul is writing a passionate letter to the church in Corinth. He's saying, listen to me, okay? I get that you're unimpressed with me. I get it. But do you understand that, that Christ was crucified in weakness, and now he's raised to life in power? And so what Paul is saying is, I'll come to you, and I'll, I'll show you power, but it's not going to be my power. It's not going to be my power. It's going to be the power of Jesus through uh, what he did on the cross. That's what I'll come and that's what I'll share with you. And then Paul goes on and he issues a challenge to the church in Corinth. He says this in verse 5. Examine yourself to see whether you are of the faith. Test yourself. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you failed the test. And I trust that you will discover that we have not failed the test Paul issues this challenge. He says, okay, you're looking at me, I get it. You're examining, but I want to challenge you. Examine yourself to see whether or not you're of the faith. Examine yourself to see whether or not you're of the faith. Now, I think examining yourself is a really, really good idea. Once when I was growing up, I was uh, driving to go meet some friends uh, at the mall, and uh, we, while I was driving there, um, I'm, not a, I'm not a very neat eater. Okay, anybody else relate to that? Anybody? Okay, and I was eating a chocolate candy bar as I was driving on my way to the mall. And uh, I was eating this candy bar, ended up, uh, bit off a piece, a little bit more than I can chew because, you know, self-control, it's a problem. Uh, but I bit off a little bit, and, and the chocolate fell onto my leg, and so I just kind of nonchalantly wiped it. Right? Like you would. You just, it's your car. You vacuum it out later, but then you never do. Uh, but I, so I wiped it off. And what I didn't realize is I actually wiped it in between my legs. Now, uh, until I was 24 years old, I never owned a car that had air conditioning. Okay? Until I was 24 years old. And so it was, it was one of those hot days. And, uh, the chocolate ended up melting. So I got up, I, I got up and I went and I hung out with my friends. I walked around the mall all day. We had a great time. And I got home. And as I was getting ready for bed, I noticed on my khaki shorts, about this big, a brown, dark brown stain right on my butt. And it looked like I pooped myself. And of course, you know, I, I was telling this story to uh, the associate director of student ministries, Chris, and he goes, where were your friends? I go, they were probably behind me laughing. That's probably where they were. But it was really important. I think it's really important that we check ourselves because if not, you walk around a mall for all day with what looks like poop on your butt. Now, okay, that's, that's a funny example. That's, that's, a, that's a silly example. But I think it is really important that we examine ourselves, that we look introspectively and examine ourselves, especially in topics of our faith. Because the reality is, is I think that there are a lot of people, myself included, a lot of us, we ask this question, am I, am I of the genuine faith? 
Am I a Christian? Do, do I know Jesus? And we ask these questions quite frequently. And so I think it's really important that we take time to examine ourselves. And so, so how do we do this? How do we examine ourselves? Like Paul is saying here, how do we go and how do we do this? Well, first, I think it's important that we understand how we shouldn't exclusively do it. Okay? We shouldn't exclusively do it. And so I want to give you a couple of ways that I think we should not exclusively examine our faith based on a few things. And the first one is this. It's behaviors. I don't think that we should examine our faith based solely on our behaviors. I think that this is a really common thing that we like to do as Christians. We like to look and say, okay, like if they act this way, if they, if they talk this way, if they do these kind of few things, then yeah, there, there must be, you know, a, a believer or whatever. And I think we draw the line here because the, the, I, I think it's a tangible way that we can see. Like there's, a, there's, a, there's a, a, a measurable scale sometimes when we look at our behaviors and things like that. But here's the problem with that. The problem is, is that I, I know there are people out there that don't know Jesus who are nicer than people who do know Jesus. Like sometimes we're kind of jerks, Right? And so if we base it solely based on our behavior, I think that, that that's a really dangerous thing. And, and really, why, why should we not base it solely or exclusively or decide our faith based on our behavior is because we're not saved by our behavior. The Bible is clear that we, as Christians, we're not saved by our behavior. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says this, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. My faith is not determined by my behavior. Now, hear me out when I say this, okay? Our behavior as Christians, it matters. I'm not saying that it doesn't matter, but we shouldn't base it, our, our faith completely solely on our behavior because my faith is not determined by my behavior. It is affected, or my, my, my faith affects my behavior, but is not determined by my behavior. Because I'm not saved because of my works, I'm saved because of what Jesus did on the cross. And again, we all know people that don't know Jesus that are a lot nicer sometimes than us as Christians. Just last week, I was a big jerk to my wife. Confession time. Okay? Right? And you'd be like, well, does he not have faith? Well, no. Just sometimes I'm kind of a jerk. And I'm learning to live like Jesus. And I think we live in this tension as Christians. We live in this tension of this already not yet. Already not yet. Meaning that we're already saved by faith in Jesus. But we are not yet perfect. Right? My dad says it this way. He says, Jesus says I'm perfect. I'm just learning to act like it. Isn't that good? Jesus says I'm perfect. I'm just learning to act like it. And so I think it's really dangerous to, to base our faith or test our faith solely on our behaviors. And I think when we do that, if we do that, it's dangerous because it'll leave us frustrated when we screw up, when we sin, when we mess up. And if we base it solely on our behavior, we're going to become frustrated and go, oh man, I must, I'm such a failure. I must, I'm probably not even a Christian. It's like a dog. When you discipline a dog, it's like, I'll just leave. I'll just take all my things and leave, right? So behavior. Another one is this, is circumstances. We shouldn't base our faith or determine or test our faith solely on our circumstances. Can I be honest for a second? Just because you have faith in God... Just because you have a relationship with Jesus does not mean that your life will be rainbows, puppies, and cotton candy. Right? Can I say that? Life is hard. Can I, let me say it a little bit louder. Life is hard. No amens? No, none of that? Nobody? Everybody's like, I'm good. Your life just sucks. Right? 
Life is hard. And if your life is hard, please hear me when I say this. First, I am sorry. And second, that does not mean that you're not of the genuine faith. And that does not mean that God does not love you. That does not mean that. But there are people out there that think, oh man, if some bad thing happened or if this happens to me in my life, then God must not love me or God must be angry or I didn't do something right. And I've wrestled with that and I walk through that throughout my life. And there's times where I go and I, I, I fall into this trap of believing that, oh, this bad thing happened to me because, you know, I didn't have enough faith or I didn't have the right faith. And, and, and listen, I, I have to remind myself of the things that Jesus says in John 16, 33. It says, I have told you these things so that you may have peace. In this world, you will have what? Trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus tells us, in this world, we're going to have trouble. And if we base our faith, or we say, like, am I of the genuine faith based on our circumstances? We're going to be frustrated when hard things come, when bad things come, and we struggle, and all of a sudden we go, well, I must not be a Christian because God must not love me because bad things happen to me in my life, in this life. And Jesus is saying, no, in this world, you will have trouble. Life is hard. Life is hard. But I am firmly convinced, the older I get and the more and more I go through things, I'm firmly convinced that if it were not for Jesus, if it were not for my faith in Jesus, I don't know how I would get through those hard things. I don't base my faith solely on the, the, my circumstances in life. However, I do believe that God can take those circumstances, God can take those trials, He can take those things that we walk through in our life, and He can use it to refine us and make us stronger. He can do that. Is it, is it, does it stink? Yes. Is it fun? No. Can God use it to grow us? Can I get a big Minnesota you betcha? <laughs> right? God uses things in our life to move us towards him, to a relationship with him, to know him more. Our circumstances, when we go through hard things, it's our faith that sustains us. It's not where it's, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not based on our circumstances because it's not based on our circumstances. It's not based on our behaviors. It's based on Jesus and what Jesus did for us, right? Okay, here's another one that we shouldn't base it on other people. Other people. Another way that we, I believe we cannot determine or test if we're of the faith is by comparing ourselves to other people. And I think this plays out in two different ways. One, in comparing ourselves to say, oh man, I could never be like that person. He or she is perfect. Or you say like, oh, I can never have as much faith as Pastor Brent or that person. They're just way nicer than me. They're better parents. They're a perfect family. I can never measure up to that person. And we compare our dirty laundry to everybody else's Instagram feed, right? Where it's edited, cropped, like twisted, you know, like never mind the pile of laundry over here. We'll just edit that out. And we compare our lives to other people and say, I could never measure up to that, or on the other side, and you don't have to raise your hand, but how many have ever thought, at least I'm not like that guy? Right? Well, I, we, I've done it. At least I'm not like that person. And I think there's a defense mechanism that we have as Christians, that we, we do as Christians, where if, if we don't want to, we take time to examine ourselves. What we do is we look out and we look for everybody else's faults, right? Anybody? No? Just me? We look out and go, at least I'm not like that guy. It's like you're sitting, you're sitting in prison and you're like, at least I'm not that guy sipping your tea. And you're still like 
why are we comparing ourselves? We're all sinners. We've all fallen short of the glory of God and we shouldn't compare ourselves to other people. At least I'm not like that guy. And here's the problem with that mindset or examining faith that way. Hear me when I say this. None of those people, whether good or bad, none of those people are our standard. Let me say that again. None of those people are our standard. Our standard is Jesus. Our standard is Jesus. We should not be looking at others and saying, at least I'm not like that, or I wish I was like that. We should be looking to Jesus as our standard. God is teaching me this more and more every day. Every day. That my standard of being a good husband is not other people who get their wives extravagant things on Valentine's Day. No, I got flowers and chocolate. But like that's not my standard. My standard is Jesus. My standard of whether or not I am a good son or not is not my brother Jordan. Everybody knows he's the favorite. I hope he's in here next service. Uh, but it's Jesus. My, the, my measuring stick of am I a good father is not other fathers. It's Jesus who is the greatest father. God is the greatest father. My standard of am I a good employee. We all know that Chris Moss is a better employee than I am. But that's not my standard. Jesus is my standard. And I ask Jesus every, every day to allow me to look past all the other comparisons and measure myself based on Jesus. I run towards Jesus. He is my standard. That's why we shouldn't look at other people as a, as a comparison because the reality is, is we're all in this journey. We're all moving towards Jesus. Now, I, I think we can look at other people and say, man, I want to I I grow in that way. But what Paul says in the Bible is he says, look to me as I look to Christ. And so, yeah, we should be examples. We should be living examples. But ultimately, our standard is always, always going to be Jesus. When I was... Uh, writing this last night, I didn't, I didn't write this one in here, but I have a third one that I wanted to share with you. Um, we also shouldn't uh, test our faith based on our driving. Right? Because if we did, just going to leave it there. Especially when it's snowing in Minnesota, right? You're like, like oh, Jesus, my standard, I could just part the seat. I don't know. We should, not, we should not compare it based on our driving because then we would all be in a lot of trouble. So, if we can't have, examine our faith or, or test our faith exclusively on our behavior or our circumstances or other people, how should we examine ourselves? Well, Paul answers that question in 2 Corinthians 13.5. It says, examine yourself to see whether you are of the faith. Right here, here it is. Test yourself. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you failed the test. Paul says it right here. How do we examine ourselves? What is our test? The test is, do you not realize that Christ is in you? The mark, the sign, the test of a believer is Christ in us. Jesus in us. When someone becomes a Christian, they say, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want you to be king of my life. Jesus says, okay. And what he does is he puts his spirit, the Holy Spirit, inside of us. And our spirits intertwine with God's. That is the test of a believer. Is Christ in me? But how do I know? How do I know? How do I know if Jesus is in me? How do I know if I have the Holy Spirit? Ephesians 1, 13 and 14 says this, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When we hear the gospel of salvation, when you believed, listen to this, when you believed, it's a heart issue. It's when our heart says yes to Jesus. When we say, Jesus, I want you to be the king of my life. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal. 
the promised Holy Spirit, who is the deposit, listen to this word, guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of His glory. It says when we hear the gospel, that Jesus came to this earth, that he died, that he rose again. And it says when we believe that God deposits the Holy Spirit into our life. And that is our guarantee. It is the mark. It is the seal. But how do I know if I have the Spirit? Romans 8, 16. The Spirit himself. The Holy Spirit is not, not like separate from God. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is God, is a personhood. It is the Spirit of God. And it says the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit. Or it tells our spirit that we are children of God. My prayer here this morning is that the Holy Spirit would testify to your spirit and say, you are a child of God. When we make Jesus the king of our life, when we hear the gospel that God loved us, that he sent his son to die, that he puts the Holy Spirit inside of us, And it testifies to our souls. There's a confident hope that comes when we understand that Christ Jesus is in us, that the Holy Spirit is in us. And when you realize that the Holy Spirit, that God is in us, the very power that raised Jesus from the dead, the very God who parted the Red Sea, the God who spoke and the world began, that power of God is in you and I as believers in Christ. The same power That's a big deal. When we catch a glimpse of this, it changes everything. It becomes the catalyst in, way, in the way that we live our lives. My life verse is Galatians 2.20. My life verse is Galatians 2.20. It says this, uh, I have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's no longer me. It's Christ who lives in me and through me. It's God who does the work. And here's here's the amazing thing. When we grasp or we get a glimpse or we understand that it is Christ in us, that the Holy Spirit is in us testifying to our souls and saying, you are a child of God, it begins to change us from the inside out. And guess what happens? Our behaviors begin to change. The way we look at our circumstances become different. How we look at other people begins to change. Our driving begins to change most of the time. When we understand that it's Christ in us, that he is the catalyst of change in our life, it is his power. It's not based on us. It's based on what he does. It is life-altering, life-changing. Paul, oftentimes when he talks about this idea of Christ dwelling in us, he calls it the great mystery calls it the great mystery, the gospel, the great mystery. And the reason he calls that is because in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come and, and rest itself sometimes on people, and then it would go. Or it would kind of stay in, in the Ark of the Covenant or in the temple. And so the Holy Spirit would kind of it would come in and go. And when people came into the presence of God, came into the presence of God's Spirit, it was memorable. Moses couldn't even look at the face of God. He had to look at his backside as he passed by, and his face glowed because of it. Isaiah came into a presence of God, experienced the Spirit of God. He fell on his face and said, Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips. He thought he was going to die because he experienced the presence 
of God. There's a story in the Old Testament about a guy named Uzziah. And Uzziah saw, there was the Ark of the Covenant, and, and which is where God's presence was. It was held in that way. And he reached out and he touched the Ark of the Covenant and he died. Because the presence of God is so powerful that it's beyond what we can handle as humans. And it, it, the, the, they built a temple where they put, where they held the Ark of the Covenant, where the presence of God dwelt. And there was a place called the Holy of Holies where you were only allowed to go into once a year. One person was allowed to go into once a year because it was that holy, because it was where the presence of God resided. And so, by, but now, in a great mystery, God decided that those that are in Christ, have Christ in them, that he's going to put his spirit inside of us. We become temples. Do you realize that God's presence, the presence of God, the great mystery is that it's now inside of us. In this series, we've been, uh, it's been called uh, Experiencing the Goodness of God. And we've talked about how even in difficulty and in struggles, we can experience the, the goodness of God. And I want to encourage you with something that, that, that I, I mean, I hope it encourages you. And it's, it's this idea, is that the greatest goodness of God that we can ever experience is his presence. Let me say that again. The greatest goodness of God that we can ever experience is his presence. When we have Christ in us, the Holy Spirit in us, we have the very presence of God living in us. The power that rose Jesus from the dead is in us. The Holy Spirit is in us. And so no matter what trouble we go through, no matter what pain we deal with, no matter what things we're going and, and, and dealing with in our life, we have the presence of God and I, I'm here to tell you, please, church, hear me. The greatest goodness of God that you will ever experience, the greatest blessing that you can ever have from God is his presence. And the Bible says that when we are in Christ, when, when, we, when Christ is in us, we have his presence. We are in fellowship with him. When God made the world, he, he created mankind to be in fellowship with him. When sin happened, that fellowship was split. And what Jesus did when he came and he died on the cross and he rose again is he restored our ability to be in the presence of God. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve walked with God. Now we can walk with God because he lives in us. He put his deposit in us, the Holy Spirit, to guide us, to teach us, to encourage us, to be his presence in our life. Because the greatest goodness that we can ever experience is God's presence. Maybe you're sitting here and you're, you, don't, you don't have a relationship with Jesus. And that's okay. We're glad you're here. We want you here. We want you to keep coming back. But maybe you're sitting here and you're, and you're going, man, I, 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 don't, I know that Christ is not in me, but I want the goodness of God. I want Christ in me. Well, the good news is it's a free gift. Remember we read that in Ephesians 2? It's a free gift. God is sitting here going, I want to be in fellowship with you. I want to put my Holy Spirit inside of you. I want to have a relationship with you. The Bible says if we believe, we confess with our lips and we believe in our heart that God rose from the dead, we will be saved. And God will put his deposit in you, the Holy Spirit in you, to help you grow, to help you know him more, to experience him. Because the greatest goodness of God that we can ever experience is his presence. 
And so if you have questions or you want to know, like, how, how, what, is, what does that mean? How can I have a relationship with God? How can I experience this goodness of God? There's going to be people up here in the front that would love to pray with you and talk with you more about it. Or if you're like, I don't want to talk to people, you can actually text Yes Jesus to 555-888, and we would love to get you some resources to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus. Because, again, hear me when I say this. The greatest goodness of God that you will ever experience is His presence. And so my prayer for you as a church, whether you, you are, have been coming to church, you're a believer or you're not a believer yet or, or you have all these questions, is that the Holy Spirit would testify to your spirit. And to say either you are a child of God or to say, come here, I want you to be a child of God. But don't walk out of these doors without talking to someone. Because the greatest goodness of God that you'll ever experience is his presence. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your presence in our life. God, I pray that you would testify to our spirits, to our souls, to let us know that you know us and that you love us. God, I pray for anybody in this room that doesn't have a relationship with you yet, God, that you would show up in their life in a real, tangible way. God, may you be glorified in everything that happens here. God, we pray this thing, these things in your name. Amen. If you want prayer, there'll be people down here.